Hey everyone, and welcome to the 60 Day Startup Podcast. This is Michael and Paul, and today we're gonna be talking about the essential characteristics of an entrepreneur. Let's hit it. Hey everybody, this is Michael and Paul from 60 Day Startup, and today we're going to be talking about the essential characteristics of an entrepreneur. Now, these characteristics are things that we find in a lot of successful entrepreneurs out there, both people that we've worked with and some of the biggest entrepreneurs out there in the field. However, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have all of these. That's our caveat at the top of this here. Um, it just means that like having more of these might be a great sign for potential success. And if you don't have some of these, it might mean, hey, let's see if we can work towards being better at them or maybe get a partner to kind of help fill the gaps here. That's right. You know, I think that there's this cultural movement right now that is trying to tell everyone, hey, you can be an entrepreneur, you can start a business, you know, shows like Shark Tank and The Profit and, and other media that is out there. Yeah. Basically, they're telling everyone you can do this, and entrepreneurship is sort of the rock stardom of today. Now, the difference is no one was really trying to convince everyone that they could be a rock star, you know? <laughs> right. But just like the rock star lifestyle, there is a particular set of things that separate successful entrepreneurs from their not-so-successful peers. The entrepreneur lifestyle is very unique um, sometimes very challenging, a lot of times very challenging. Yeah. And these characteristics really set you up to be able to handle all of those ups and downs in stride. Yeah. When you mentioned, you know, everyone launching a business and, and the ideology behind that, all I could see was Oprah going, you get a business, <laughs> you get a business, you get a business. That would be really bad. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying. That's, uh, that's, that's what we're thinking. For sure. So let's jump into some of the characteristics that we're seeing here. What's the top? What's the first one? So the first one that I put down as an essential characteristic is optimism. Mm. Now, I want to underline here that I didn't say idealism. This isn't bury your head in the sand. Everything's going to work out perfectly. Right. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. No, I, the brand of optimism that I'm talking about is grounded in this sort of reasonable expectation of positive outcomes given the right response to whatever challenge and obstacles arise. Sure. You're not thinking that everything is always going to go right because that's not correct. Right. But when things don't go right, you're not automatically running to this place of oh, woe is me, you understand and want to analyze why that might not have worked and still have an optimistic viewpoint in what I, what can I do going forward to make this better. That's right. And so what this mindset creates is a response to obstacles and problems that make the entrepreneur go, okay, this is a challenge. This is maybe something I didn't expect, but there's a way out or there's a lesson to be learned here there's some way to recover this situation. I believe it. And so I'm going to do what is necessary to find that solution and uh, do what's best for my company. Yeah. Yeah. I think focusing on the negative here and, and those kind of opportunities um, basically just paralyzes you. Oh, yeah. And so the more that you as an entrepreneur can force yourself out of that negative thought pattern, out of the paralysis, the, the better everything is going to flow for you. 
Right. And we've talked so much on the blog and on the show about testing. Mm. And if you want to test anything, you have to start with a number of assumptions of things that might work. Mm -hmm. You can't test assumptions that you think are going to fail. That would be like the worst test ever. (laughs) Well, I think... I came up with five things that probably aren't going to work, but hey, let's run this test anyway. Because yeah. um, more of them are going to fail than are going to succeed. Right. And you'll just prove your assumption right. <laughs> That's right. So if you are going to be devising these tests built out of positive assumptions about yeah. your business, you need to have that optimistic outlook. So that's number one. That's optimism. Cool. Kind of the second one that Paul and I love, we try to dip into this as much as we can ourselves, is to be a lifelong learner. What what does that mean to you, Paul? So as we just mentioned, you're going to be presented daily, if not by the minute, with obstacles and unexpected situations that you probably weren't prepared for when you started the day. As an entrepreneur, this is just a way of life It's a fact of the matter, and great successful entrepreneurs use those as opportunities to improve, to react, and to learn from maybe what just happened. Yeah. I think in analyzing almost any entrepreneur that has had sort of a um, Hail Mary or crazy style growth, you find this trait there that maybe at one point in time they started off as a very specialized expert in something, but to become successful, they actually had to become more of a generalist, mm. more of a lifelong learner because in building and launching that business, they had to learn how to manage a team, how to like deal with finances, how to attract investment, how to do all of these different things that maybe wasn't based around this one specialty. I mean, let's take Bill Gates, for example, right? You know, I'm sure when he was in his garage, like specialty here is going to be coding. Right. You know, but think of all of the things that he would have had to have learned to get to where he is today, to be running and launching a giant successful software company and now dipping into philanthropy. There are so many different steps that you, that you learn along the way, even if you're not as big as Bill Gates. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And in the long term, what happens is that you start to collect these lessons from your life experience, from these different obstacles that hit you. And like you said, as an entrepreneur, you're going to face a lot of different kinds of obstacles. Mm. It could be obstacles related to accounting, finance, HR, operations, could be marketing related obstacles. So there's going to be so much coming at you. What that is going to produce if you face that with a mindset of learning is this very wide, diverse experience that will only set you more apart from the competition. The opposite of this is being very one-dimensional. And I, I don't really know any amazing entrepreneurs who are truly one-dimensional. A personal experience that I had is when I was getting ready to graduate school. Now, you and I both went to school for music, and I was looking to break into the scene here in Nashville as a professional guitar player. Now, I didn't have any sort of illusions about trying to be the best guitar player in Nashville in terms of like the most skilled guitar player. There's only one of those. (laughs) There's guys who have several decades head start on me, and frankly, guys who, you know, ate, slept, and drank guitar all day, every day. And I I wasn't ready for that. But what I did notice is that I could be the best guitar player who also had really good charts that he brought to a session, who also was really chill to hang out with, who was always 
early or on time, who was, you know, I was separating myself with all of these facets mm. of the different lessons that I had learned along the way. Sure. Until someone could say, oh, yeah, Paul is that, he's the guy who fills all these characteristics. Right. And if you would have stayed in that lane and just dug into, like, I'm going to be the best technical player ever, right. you would have had to dug into that until you literally beat that one person or basically worked yourself up the, the line and became that one person. But then that was all you could do. That's right. Yeah. And you'll see the same exact thing happen with businesses all the time. One-dimensional businesses can only really define themselves either on A, super high quality or B, super low price. Right. But once you start niching into these various areas, the, I'm the best backpack for photographers. Mm -hmm. I'm the best, you know, combining these areas of learning, you end up with a lot more compelling a product and a lot more defined yeah. a target market. Yeah. And one thing to kind of come back to just even the concept of, of lifelong learning, I would say don't be worried about what your background is right now, mm -hmm. right? Because right. like you're mentioning, you're mixing a lot of expertise and, and experience from other different parts of what you know to really figure out that niche and your specific learning path gives you the ability to know that niche better than somebody else because no one's taken the exact same path you have. That's right. If anything, one thing I look back at from our background, from having a music background, right, spending at least four years, if not more, just learning and digging into music, is that I feel like digging into a creative process like that really just teaches you how to learn. Mm. Right. And we see that all the time here in Nashville. There are so many creatives who have then turned to entrepreneurship and done it pretty successfully because it takes a very determined person to be good at patterns, good at setting structure and learning for themselves to be able to do uh, a creative art very, very well. Right. And I think that applies back to this characteristic of lifetime learning for entrepreneurs too. Absolutely. So that is lifelong learning, another great characteristic for entrepreneurs. Uh, what do we have up next? This one, I think, ties into optimism a little bit, mm -hmm. but it stands alone, and that is tolerance for risk. Yeah. There's going to be risk involved in every little step, every decision that you take as an entrepreneur. Sometimes you can mitigate that or you can feel better about it with a partner. But everything you do, you're, you know, the buck stops with you, right? Yeah. It's going to be you kind of stepping out and taking that risk. And so you need to be able to understand the risk that you're putting yourself at, right? Not being completely idealistic or pessimistic, but also have a tolerance, a decent tolerance to just be able to put yourself out there continuously. And I would even add to that, like have a good understanding or analysis of the amount of risk mm -hmm. that you're currently putting yourself into. And that one's tough. Yeah, for sure. You know, it takes a while to be able to really get a good intuition and then analysis mm -hmm. of what a potential situation's upside, downside, uh, what all that entails. But once you can clear your mind enough to be able to do that, you're going to be able to see the way forward a lot easier. One of the great things about entrepreneurship in general is that, sure, it does come with slightly more downside potential than working a nine-to-five somewhere. Yeah. But the upside, in most cases, is 
many, many times what the downside uh, could possibly be. In most cases, we're talking about entrepreneurs that we've worked with where your worst case scenario downside is going to be, I maybe lost a little bit of money that I invested this into. And we, we always talk about sort of a lean methodology. So maybe that's a few thousand dollars at most. Right. And maybe I spent a couple months to a few months working on this thing. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. Chances are pretty good. Even in that scenario, you had a little bit of fun and you learned some good lessons. Right. But the upside potential there was massive. The success could be, oh, I changed my life. I'm able to live life on my own terms now. I am potentially making more money. I'm making an impact in the world that I want to make. Something new exists because I created and that didn't exist before. Yeah, Um, yeah. You've got to you've got to take on that risk to be able to see that reward. Yeah, that's the biggest piece of it. And uh, if you can tolerate a larger amount of risk and really be able to plot out where that fits into your business scenario, you stand a chance to, to get an even better reward from it. Absolutely. And the other thing that I want to mention here is something that we talked about in the last episode, yeah. which is that fear setting exercise, I think, is really useful here. Yes. Um, Being able to understand that worst case scenario and sort of like knocking through a realistic understanding of what where that would put you. For sure. Yeah. Great. Cool. Here's another one. We talked a little bit about this in the last podcast, but it ties into this and that's going to be an absence of ego, right? Being able to to separate your sort of personal wants, needs, feelings about yourself and how you as yourself are tied to this business and the success or failure of the business as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. Yikes with the absolutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I completely agree. In fact, ego presents so many problems, not only in entrepreneurship, but in life in general. Uh, I find that it typically causes us to really ignore the useful aspects of potential obstacles, situations, anything that feels uncomfortable. Mm. And we go to that sort of id, that like reactive self to say, I'm angry or I'm upset. Yeah, welcome to every comment on YouTube and Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But the thing about it is, is even if someone came up to you after you put out a video and said, ah, you're so dumb, you don't even know that ABC and they left some inflammatory comment. Right. You could, sure, you could fire back some whatever and get into a flame war and that would be completely unproductive. Yeah. But if you set aside your ego and you said, first of all, do I have anything to learn from this comment? If so, what is that? I mean, the answer is probably not if it's a troll. Yeah. But let's say there's some, you know, some little tidbit of truth in there. There's something you could actually gain from that person trying to attack you. And by the way, that's the best revenge for a comment is to say, oh, actually, thank you. You, you helped me realize something. And yeah. I'm going to use that to improve yeah. my situation. One of my, it's one of my favorite things here is to on social media, especially with posts and ads and that kind of thing that we run. I literally love finding comments like that and attempting to take a lack of ego direction in response to them to just see how far down the rabbit hole you can take a troll <laughs> and see if you can turn them to the other side, you know. For sure. And if not, you just rickroll them. Oh, yeah. Does that's that still work? Never going to give. You, yeah, just it's perfect. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know that was still. Thing. That's good. <laughs> so 
Let's take the opposite view here. If someone is focused too much on their ego, their ego centered perhaps, mm. I think it makes them susceptible to a lot of things that just show up in the entrepreneur's life on a day-to-day -day basis. Feedback maybe from unwanted sources is one of those things. And that can cause you to go completely off the rails and not be productive. You know, another thing that you mentioned was they can think that the business reflects their own identity or value. Yeah. And that can cause you to be completely afraid of failure. It can cause you to either be too ambitious or too cautious. There's loads of problems that that creates. You know, it, it makes you make bad choices. Mm. And honestly, I, I can relate to doing that early on in my business career. You know, uh, when you start something as a solopreneur, um, even as you add people and staff to it, it still has a little bit more of this personal identity to it mm. because you create the culture and it's all about you. And I think the the, the further I've gotten into running an agency or, or, or having employees is to realize that like the culture, you can set some guidelines, but you have to let it create itself. Mm. And the further you can get that away from your ego, honestly, the better it's going to grow. For sure. And related to that, I see a lot of entrepreneurs, because of their ego, become such control freaks on whatever their business is. They maybe are perfectionistic and they want to make sure that they touch each little piece because, again, it relates to their personal worth and yeah. value. How many entrepreneurs do you know that have become the bottlenecks in their own business because oh, of yeah. that? Yeah. It's a serious problem. Yeah. Get out of your own way. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, you can reject criticism and user feedback, which is incredibly useful, especially if it's coming from your actual customers. And they're saying, hey, you know, this product's okay, but uh, the user interface feels clunky, or I wish it had this feature, or this feature that it does have is really terrible. Sure. If you step out of your own way, you're able to really take that and digest it into some potentially useful business moves. Yeah, especially if you see it being a piece of feedback and not a personal attack on this this beautiful dream that you've put out there that's attached to my personal worth. For sure. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to call out here is that there is a book out called Ego is an Enemy yeah. from Ryan Holiday that is just awesome kind of surrounding this subject. I think this is one of the central characteristics of an entrepreneur to be more sort of stoic in this way and really reject the idea of an ego-centered life. So if you want to, we'll link that in the show notes. Ego is the enemy. It's an awesome book. Cool. I dig it. What's our next one? Let me see. Be Oh, oh being passionate. That's right. And being as uh, we just passed Valentine's Day, everybody knows about this, right? The passion. <laughs> the art. <laughs> oh, it is the art of the passion. No. So passionate, don't take this the wrong way, right? Because this is not, again, going back to the romanticizing of being an entrepreneur, you know, taking these giant leaps and, and uh, passive income to get vacations. It's not that kind of passion. Mm, right. This is a passion that is a focused drive mm. that is what is moving you and because you love doing the things that you're doing as an entrepreneur. Um, I think basically entrepreneurs have to be passionate and love literally doing the business. I completely agree. In fact, passionate might be a little bit of a misnomer here because I think that that word has a lot of connotations, follow your passion. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like you said, a lot of romanticism around it. Perhaps a better way to put this is know what your why is. Yeah. And if you can be honest with yourself about what my why for this business is, it'll get you through some of those 
harder moments. So let's talk about why this is so important. The reality is that every business that I've ever been a part of Mm. and that I've ever known is going to go through the dreaded trough of sorrow at least (laughs) once. You know, the going is going to get tough. Yeah. And it might even seem like there's not a way out. Right. Yeah. And I think if you don't have passion, if you don't have that why defined in those moments, um, you will probably be more likely to bail and and lose um, some of the, you know, power and energy and investment that you put into doing that. Now, not to being said, there are, there are times to bail. Sure. But I think without that why and that passion defined, those times to bail will make you bail. Or those times that come up that make you feel like you should bail will make you bail all the time versus seeing it as a potential to like double down or pivot or or do something that will actually be a good business decision for this versus just like, no, that didn't work. Right. I'm going to try something like like the guy referenced in the last podcast who was launching 30 new Shopify stores at the same time. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and the art of quitting or knowing when to quit should be a very difficult question. Like you said, it shouldn't be easy to hang it up and say, ah, well, that was tough and I'm going to do something else now. Right. Because you'll never get through anything. Yeah. Um, even the most successful billion-dollar unicorn Silicon Valley-like stories have times where the founders literally didn't know how they were going to keep the lights on next week, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's just the reality of being an entrepreneur. I also think that um, we're going to rename our agency Billion Dollar Unicorn because that's cool. That's amazing. Done. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and move on to, I guess, what is this? Number six? Something like that. Yeah. Numbers aren't real. Okay. This is being decisive. Mm. Right. We all have a tendency to, you know, kind of flip flop on our like, well, maybe we should try this. Maybe we should try that. I think the more you're in your head, the less you have a partner or someone to like toss and get feedback to, the more this happens. But to be a really, really successful entrepreneur, you have to be okay with being quick and decisive and also like understanding that you can take dissenting opinions, but still make that decision. Yeah. What I've found is that there's always going to be an excess of information that you have probably about every potential decision that you could make. Mm. And you can really get stuck in. I know that I can, because this is my kind of the way that my brain is set up, paralysis by analysis. And we even Mentioned that briefly last week as a way to sort of distract yourself away from taking action. Yeah. This is the opposite of that. This is saying, you know what? Based on the information I have, I know that I need to act and this is going to be my best bet. And perhaps you can even do, as we talk about often, you can test a couple different assumptions against each other. But the fact of the matter is that you just can't sit there and do nothing because that's often worse than even choosing the worst possible course of action. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you do nothing, you're going to know nothing. You'll, you'll have no data. You'll have no, no no idea whether something succeeded or failed. If you're decisive and you turn one direction and it wasn't the right direction, own it, right? Say like, hey, that wasn't right. And because of that, we can make this change right now because I'm optimistic and I know the worst case scenario. I've done some fear setting and here's how we're going to turn this, you know? But if you haven't even taken the plunge to make that decision, well, you're just going to be kind of sitting there for a while. 
Yeah. And my experience has been that if you have a team or if you have other people that are looking to you for guidance, even if you take a misstep and you come back and like you said, own it, say, hey, we did this based on this information that wasn't right. We're going to do this. People respect that even in a leadership position, certainly a lot more than they do waffling, going back and forth and appearing not to have a an actual course of action ahead yeah. of them. Yeah. What's our next? So number seven is going to be being future focused entrepreneurship. And this is related to optimism as well. Mm -hmm. I think that having a focus on the future sets the entrepreneur up to take advantage of things that are coming down the pike at them. You know, as an entrepreneur, you have to really envision the path that your company is on. Yeah. You have to anticipate opportunities that might arrive. And if you can, steer clear of any obstacles that are on their way as well. And this becomes more and more important the further we get down the road here in, in the tech space mm -hmm. too. There are things that are moving so quickly that if you are not future focused, if you are not anticipating what's going to be coming next year or five years, 10 years down from now, you could be launching a business that is already obsolete by the time you've scaled. You know, uh, not not to go so uh, robots are taking over the world type of direction, but there are a lot of things that, you know, you might see, oh, here's a problem and I can solve this with a product or service. Yeah, it's already solved. It's just on its way, way out, you know. Exactly. And this is the reason that following trends and jumping on whatever bandwagon is hot right now, yeah. oh, drop shipping on Amazon is hot right now, mm. or, you know, uh, pop caps are hot right now, or what was it, fidget spinners. We, right. we knew someone who, you know, bought into fidget spinners like 12 months too late. Oh, yeah. Um, that is just a death sentence because if you're going to be future focused, if you ordered a couple thousand fidget spinners after you already heard about fidget spinners being popular, <laughs> by the time you get those out in the market, it's over. It's you're done. done. And that's another reason that there's a real advantage to being the first mover in a space. We've talked about this before. Yeah. First mover advantage. You know, if you're the first to arrive in a timely manner into an industry and establish yourself as sort of a category leader, your competitive advantage is going to be really hard to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great space to find if you can, but you only see it if you're focused on the future and can anticipate what's coming. Absolutely. And finally, what is our last essential characteristic of an entrepreneur? You have to be flexible. And we're not talking about being a gymnast, although, mm, thank you know, goodness. maybe... I don't, think, I don't think I can even touch my toes. <laughs> <laughs> Neither can I. It's okay. But flexible in, you know, being able to sort of shift on a dime when it's necessary. This is a tough one sometimes because it backs up against, you know, being decisive. Right. And, and also not waffling, you know, like making actual decisions. But then also being able to understand that you need to change. You need to turn around sometime. Um, it kind of dips into that lifelong learning route as well. You know, being able to admit when something is wrong, see why and check through the data and then be flexible to kind of move that around a little bit. Yeah. One of the many sort of conundrums of being an entrepreneur is the flexibility versus decisiveness kind of... Uh, the way that those butt up against each other, yeah. you know, there are many areas that I find where you have this sort of dichotomy and that's going to be one that is tough where you honestly, you're not going to be able to have anyone tell you which move is right. But 
There's many, many examples of companies, especially companies that were well entrenched, being inflexible and suffering the consequences. Some examples that come to mind are the taxi industry versus Uber, Mm. you know, failing to change their business model to fit what was happening in terms of consumer taste. Oh, you know, I want to use my phone to... Uh, my, in an app to get a taxi mm-hmm. and I don't you know really want to have to worry about hailing someone I don't want to have to worry about non-transparent meter rates whatever it might be right you know and the same thing happened with hotels and Airbnb yeah basically an entrenched industry failing to react to market moves if you allow yourself to be nimble enough to respond to changes in the market you're going to have a much better time Yes. And I think that this mindset of flexibility, if you can build it into the way you build your business from the ground up, both in the way that you staff, the way that you build your processes, that kind of thing, it allows you to to take advantage of those opportunities when they present itself um, versus building such a rigid uh, business structure to where when an opportunity is there, you completely miss out because, well, heck, we have to lay off our team and hire a whole new team, or maybe just like our product won't work for this now, you know? Right. So let's review. That's all eight. Yeah. Let's go back and review them. We got optimism as number one. Number two is the commitment to lifelong learning. Love it. Love that one. Number three, having a tolerance for risk, Um, not being afraid to kind of take that risk to reap the reward. Number four is having an absence of ego. We all have that little person inside of us that is screaming me, 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 and being able to separate that from the success or failure of different items in your business. Right. Number five is going to be passionate about your business and not in a sort of Casanova kind of way, but in a way that helps you always be focused on the mission. What's your why? What's moving me forward? Number six is going to be Remain decisive, look for a course of action, commit to it, and maintain strong leadership. You bet. Number seven is being future-focused, making sure that you can sort of understand and analyze the trends that are happening so that you're not building yourself up for a big failure in whatever your product or service is delivering and knowing what's coming up in the next year, in the next five years, so that you are growing towards what the need is going to be then. And finally, number eight ties into that, staying flexible, right? Making sure that you can move and, sh- and kind of change as opportunities or needs of the consumer present themselves and you don't find yourself dealing with pens when everybody wants pencils. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. Pens. Dangerous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cutthroat business. So... That's quite a list. And obviously, it takes a pretty special person to be able to fully encapsulate all the above qualities. But like we said before, don't feel like you have to exactly match every last one of these things. Being a little bit more flexible Mm -hmm. and maybe a little less decisive might work out great for you. But in some way, you're probably going to be faced with the need to exercise at least a little bit of all of these. Yeah. And the thing I would say, too, is if you find that in looking through this list, you go, oh, I'm really bad at this or I'm really bad at this or this. Again, there are ways and exercises to get yourself to be better at some of those. It's mm-hmm. lifelong learning anyway. Or... It's always great to bring in a partner that might complement the things that you're not really great at. Um, That's also a great way to learn from each other and kind of grow yourselves in those directions. For sure. Having a co-founder can be just 
an incredible help, not only in picking up the slack where maybe your partner has some advantages that you don't, but some of these are just going to be problems for everyone to handle on their own. I think the ego one is a particular one where just having someone else in the room to give you a sanity check oh, yeah. is is invaluable. Yeah. So that's our list. Yeah. Essential entrepreneur characteristics. And, you know, I, I want to know, do you guys think we missed one? Do you think that we added one that uh, doesn't really matter? Sure. Hit us up on social media, on Twitter or on Facebook, LinkedIn, all the things. Yeah. Uh, let us know if you think uh, we needed to add one to that or just what your general feedback is. Um, we want to see you guys out there taking some of these risks, becoming the best entrepreneur you can. And we're here to help you along the way. That's right. We'll see you next time on 60 Day Startup Podcast. See you then.